0: Chapter One of Tom Sawyer, Detective. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tom Sawyer, Detective by Mark Twain. Chapter One An Invitation for Tom and Huck. Note. Strange as the incidents of this story are, they are not inventions, but facts, even to the public confession of the accused i take them from an old-time swedish criminal trial change the characters and transfer the scenes to america i have added some details but only a couple of them are important ones m t well it was the next spring after me and tom sawyer set our old nigger jim free the time he was chained up for a runaway slave down there on tom's uncle silas's farm in arkansas the frost was working out of the ground and out of the air too and it was getting closer and closer on to barefoot time every day, and next it would be marble time, and next mumbledy-peg, and next tops and hoops, and next kites, and then right away it would be summer and going in a-swimming. It just makes a boy homesick to look ahead like that and see how far off summer is. Yes, and it sets him to sighing and saddening round, and there's something the matter with him, and he don't know what. But anyway, He gets out by himself and mopes and thinks, and mostly he hunts for a lonesome place high up on the hill in the edge of the woods, and sets there and looks away off on the big Mississippi, down there a-reaching miles and miles, around the points where the timber looks smoky and dim it's so far off and still, and everything so solemn it seems like everybody you've loved is dead and gone, and you most wish you was dead and gone too and done with it all. Don't you know what that is? It's spring fever, that is what the name of it is, and when you've got it you want—oh, you don't quite know what it is you do want, but it just fairly makes your heart ache you want it so. It seems to you that mainly what you want is to get away, get away from the same old tedious things you're so used to seeing and so tired of, and set something new. That is the idea. You want to go and be a wanderer. You want to go wandering far away to strange countries where everything is mysterious and wonderful and romantic, and if you can't do that you'll put up with considerable less. You'll go anywhere you can go, just so as to get away, and be thankful of the chance, too. Well, me and Tom Sawyer had the spring fever, and had it bad, too, but it weren't any use to think about Tom trying to get away, because as he said, his Aunt Polly wouldn't let him quit school and go traipsing off summer's wasting time, So we was pretty blue. We was sitting on the front steps one day, about sundown, talking this way, when out comes his Aunt Polly with a letter in her hand and says, "'Tom, I reckon you've got to pack up and go down to Arkansas. Your Aunt Sally wants you.' I most jumped out of my skin for joy. I reckon Tom would fly at his Aunt and hug her head off, but if you believe me, He sat there like a rock, and never said a word. It made me fit to cry to see him act so foolish, with such a noble chance as this opening up. Why, we might lose it if he didn't speak up and show he was thankful and grateful. But he sat there, and studied, and studied, till I was that distressed I didn't know what to do. Then he says, very calm, and I could have shot him for it. "'Well,' he says,—' I'm right down sorry, Aunt Polly, but I reckon I got to be excused—for the present." His Aunt Polly was knocked so stupid and so mad at the cold impudence of it that she couldn't say a word for as much as a half a minute, and this gave me a chance to nudge Tom and whisper, "'Ain't you got any sense, spiling such a noble chance as this and throwing it away?' But he weren't disturbed. He mumbled back, "'Huck Finn, do you want me to let her see how bad I want to go?' why she'd begin to doubt right away and imagine a lot of sickness and dangers and objections and first you know she'd take it all back you let me alone i reckon i know how to work her now i never would have thought of that but he was right tom sawyer was always right the levelest head i ever see and always at himself and ready for anything you might spring on him by this time his aunt polly was all straight again and she let fly she says you'll be excused you will well i never heard the like of it in all my days the idea of you talking like that to me now take yourself off and pack your traps and if i hear another word out of you about what you'll be excused from and what you won't i lay i'll excuse you with a hickory she hit his head a thump with her thimble as we dodged by and he led on to be whimpering as we struck for the stairs up in his room he hugged me he was so out of his head for gladness because he was going traveling and he says before we get away she'll wish she hadn't let me go but she won't know any way to get around it now after what she's said her pride won't let her take it back tom was packed in ten minutes all except what his aunt and mary would finish up for him then we waited ten more for her to get cooled down and sweet and gentle again Tom said it took her ten minutes to unruffle in times when half of her feathers was up, but twenty when they was all up, and this was one of the times when they was all up. Then we went down, being in a sweat to know what the letter said. She was settin' there in a brown study with it laying in her lap. We set down, and she says, They're in considerable trouble down there, and they think you and huck be a kind of diversion for them—comfort, they say much of that they'll get out of you and huck finn i reckon there's a neighbor named brace dunlap that's been wanting to marry their benny for three months and at last they told him point-blank and once for all he couldn't so he has soured on them and they're worried about it i reckon he's somebody they think they better be on the good side of for they've tried to please him by hiring his no-account brother to help on the farm when they can't hardly afford it and don't want him round anyhow who are the dunlaps they live about a mile from uncle silas's place aunt polly all the farmers live about a mile apart down there and brace dunlap is a long sight richer than any of the others and owns a whole grist of niggers he's a widower thirty-six years old without any children and is proud of his money and overbearing and everybody is a little afraid of him i judge he thought he could have any girl he wanted just for the asking and it must have set him back a good deal when he found he couldn't get benny why benny's only half as old as he is and just as sweet and lovely as well you've seen her poor old uncle silas why it's pitiful him trying to curry favor that way so hard pushed and poor and yet hiring that useless Jupiter dunlap to please his ornery brother what a name Jupiter! where'd he get it it's only just a nickname i reckon they'd forgot his real name long before this he's twenty-seven now and has had it ever since the first time he ever went in swimming the school teacher seen a round brown mole the size of a dime on his left leg above his knee and four little bits of moles around it when he was naked and he said it minded him of Jupiter and his moons and the children thought it was funny and so they got to calling him Jupiter, and he's Jupiter yet he's tall and lazy and sly and sneaky and rather cowardly, too, but kind of good-natured, and wears long brown hair and no beard, and hasn't got a cent, and brace-boards him for nothing, and gives him his old clothes to wear, and despises him. Jupiter is a twin." What's the other twin like? Just exactly like Jupiter, so they say. Used to was, anyway, but he ain't been seen for seven years. He got to robbing when he was nineteen or twenty, and they jailed him but he broke jail and got away, up north here, Summers. They used to hear about him robbing and burglaring now and then, but that was years ago. He's dead now, at least that's what they say. They don't hear about him any more. What was his name? Jake. There wasn't anything more said for a considerable while. The old lady was thinking. At last she says, The thing that is mostly worrying your Aunt Sally is the tempers that that man Jupiter gets your uncle into tom was astonished and so was i tom says tempers uncle silas land you must be joking i didn't know he had any temper works him up into perfect rages your aunt sally says says he acts as if he would really hit the man sometimes aunt polly it beats anything i ever heard of why he's just as gentle as mush well she's worried anyway says your uncle silas is like a changed man on account of all this quarreling and the neighbors talk about it and lay all the blame on your uncle of course because he's a preacher and ain't got any business to quarrel your aunt sally says he hates to go into the pulpit he's so ashamed and the people have begun to cool toward him and he ain't as popular now as he used to was well ain't it strange why aunt polly he was always so good and kind and moony and absent-minded and chuckle-headed and lovable why he was just an angel what can be the matter of him d'ye reckon end of chapter one